It's your Wednesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be back in the big chair for another day. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist, will join me here in just a little bit to talk. Vikings primarily wanted to get his thoughts on kind of an off-season to-do list, maybe some reasons he sees for optimism going into the off-season, some, th- some things he definitely thinks the Vikings need to clean up. It's, it's a weird place to be, right? I, I, don't, I don't feel like a lot of teams come off of a 13-4 and season with as many questions as the Vikings have right now. But that's where that's the reality. That's where they are. That's where they find themselves because of an unexpected season of success, one in which the record didn't necessarily match how they played on the field all the time. But one nevertheless, 13-4, and four, you don't diminish the wins and losses of a team. If you're going to say um, if you're going to say a team that goes eight and nine got what it deserved, even if they played better than that, you got to say a 13 and four team got what they deserved too. But you can also say that's not sustainable. So they have a weird off season where you look at it and you say a lot of things would really have to go right for them next year just to win 10 or 11 games. I think just because everybody's a year older, the offense I feel like has got some really good pieces, but there's still there's some questions there. They don't have a lot of draft capital. They don't have a lot of wiggle room financially. So it feels like the reckoning to a certain degree is coming. Um, It just is a matter of how they navigate that and how good they can be along the way. So Chip and I will get into a lot of those things. Chip and I will also talk Timberwolves, and I want to get into a St. Thomas story, a big donation for St. Thomas Athletics at the end of the show as well. But as promised, what did I miss? We'll be focusing on the Wolves as well. I know I talk a lot of Wolves on the show, drive some of my friends crazy, but they are at a very interesting point in time. I know the Wild played. I know we got a lot of other stuff to get to, but um, the Wild will get their due at, at a certain point here. The Wolves, though, they're at this kind of critical point where they're just coming off this loss to the Utah Jazz, where Walker Kessler, the player who was almost like a throw-in in the Rudy Gobert trade, or at least felt like it, with all the other draft picks, all the other players going out to Utah in that massive deal, scores 20 points and has 21 rebounds. The Jazz win by a point the other night. The Wolves are 22-23, and 23, a game under 500. And you're just looking at it saying, okay, um, what's going on here? What, what, what exactly is kind of the, the big picture here? And I, I found myself kind of going back and thinking about how we got to this point, kind of what this season was supposed to be, what what this building process was supposed to look like, and I found myself going back to the introductory news conference for Timberwolves president of basketball operations, Tim Connolly. It was in late May, and the very first thing that he said, his opening statement, I want to play a portion of that for you right now because I found it very interesting. You're, you're excited, you're confused, you're scared, um, but as those conversations developed and they took on more substance, you realize that this place has an unbelievably special core, uh, you know, I'm here not to mess it up. This team is is on the right direction. Uh, you know, I think Finchie's a special coach. Um, Sach and his crew of guys have done such a wonderful job making this such an attractive destination. Uh, so right there, he's establishing that he likes the core of this team. At least that's what he's saying. He he likes what he saw in how they built themselves from you know 23 wins. It was only a 72 game season, but the 23 wins a couple years ago to 46 wins last year, and he's basically saying, we're on an ascending path. I just got to get out of the way, make some smart moves, but don't 
Don't get too cute. Don't get don't get way ahead of myself. Don't get too fancy. Get out of the way to a certain degree and make sure that this thing stays on the path that it is going on. Instead, not that long later, um, makes that massive deal for Rudy Gobert. And you look at it at the time and you say, okay, he's making a big swing for it. He believes in this. You look at it and say, wow, the, the, the defensive rebounding last year was really a problem, especially in that Memphis series that we all watched, that Tim Connolly watched. Rudy Gobert will make a huge difference in that regard. It's a lot to give up, sure, but if they are going to be a contending team, if this is going to be a team that that meets his vision along the way, then this, then this is going to be a team that shouldn't be drafting very high. The draft capital isn't that bad. The players they're giving up are replaceable. You get it. This is maybe the missing piece. But it flew in the face of everything he said in the very first opening statement in that he was saying, uh, just, I'm here not to mess things up. That's basically that's exactly what he said. I'm here not to mess things up. Uh, I just just get out of the way. Kind of keep keep going on this path. And then later on in the news conference, maybe five minutes later, asked a question. He doubles down on that very same idea. I, I think it's a team and organization that um, its best days are in front of us. And hopefully, I, again, I, I get out of the way. Hope I don't mess it up too much. But um, there, there's a real sense here that this place can do something special. And I hope I can play some small role along with people up on the stage. So again, I don't know what happened between then and the real meat of the offseason where it sounds like the Wolves were in on different players trying to swing a big trade. Maybe Connolly was going to make something like that happen all along. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he was being too self-deprecating when he said, I'm just here not to to mess things up, etc., etc. I don't know. But whatever happened between then and the Gobert trade clearly was a departure from the attitude that he carried in to that introductory news conference, or at least that he was trying to convey. Now, the last piece of it that seems like it's important to remember is this. I want to play this clip as well. I don't know if success is always linear. You know, I don't know if we're going to go from here to a championship. I think we have to be realistic about where we are and how we can get better. I think as long as we have world-class people, which we do, and an elite coach, we'll continue to get better. Success is not linear. Now, that is interesting because maybe he looked at this roster, he, he looked at what he had to work with coming in, and saw maybe that they were going to have to take a certain step back in order to take a step forward. Maybe, if we're giving him all of the benefit of the doubt in this case, maybe, just maybe, he was looking at this in the big picture and saying, you know what, I think we need to make a big move right now. I think there's something to do right now, but it might not necessarily help us right now. That maybe they kind of caught lightning in a bottle to a certain degree last year, and I think that's certainly arguable that they did, they caught some teams that they caught some scheduling breaks last year. Maybe they overachieved to a certain degree, um, but maybe he came in here thinking, "Look, we're going to be really good at a certain point, but we're not that team yet. Success might not be linear. You might have to take a step back to take a step forward later." That is the only re- that is the only kind of faint, optimistic reading I can have of anything he said from that introductory news conference or anything that's happened since then. And again, I get it. Carl Anthony Towns has been out for more than half this season. Now Rudy Gobert has this groin strain that might hamper him for a while. You've had, you know, D'Angelo Russell, that question looming over them. Some of their role players haven't done exactly what you want them to do. Kyle Anderson's been really good. I think Anthony Edwards is on an extending track. Um, Jaden McDaniels has had some good moments this year. Seems like he's developing into that defensive stopper you want. It's not all negative this year with them. What it is is curious. From the point that he came in, Connolly, to the point that he made the Gobert trade and now seeing how it's played out, you just have to wonder. You have to look at it and say if his intent was to not mess things up, 
Again, we haven't seen enough to say it's messed up, but we've seen enough to say it's not on a great path right now. So I'm, I'm worried, I'm concerned that the very thing he said in his very first introductory news conference was the very thing that he ended up doing. And again, we're going to see this play out. We're not going to say this is all messed up right now. We're not saying this is not salvageable. Chip Scoggins will talk a little bit more about that in a little bit here. What I am saying is I'm concerned. I'm concerned that this trade will go down as one of the worst in history. I liked it at the time. I called it eight dimes for a dollar. That was totally wrong. That was a bad tweet. That was a bad idea. It has not been eight dimes for a dollar. Walker Kessler has had a very good rookie season. He alone is a reason to make you pause, not just those four future draft picks, not just what uh, what Jared Vanderbilt could be doing for them, not just what Patrick Beverly could be doing for them, not just what uh, Malik Beasley could be doing for them. Again, all those guys, maybe not part of the long-term future, but certainly guys who could help them in the short term. I'm not saying it's unsalvageable. I am saying right now, in this moment, it does not seem like the initial vision Tim Connolly had matched the vision he had when he made the Rudy Gobert trade, and I worry that the very thing that he said he did not want to do is the thing that could come to fruition. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, we're in the Star Tribune studio right now. Haven't been in here since we got some new equipment. Chip Scoggins joins me, Star Tribune columnist. Both of us in the same place in real life. Um, <laughs> the secret of the first 498 daily delivery episodes is that I've done most of them remote. I've done a few of them in here, but we got some new equipment. Sounds great, looks great. So I was excited to test it out. And uh, Chip was uh, so happened to be down in the office uh, today as well. So, uh, Chipper, how you doing? This is fancy. I'm not gonna lie. This is this is high tech. I like it. This is it's a nice it's a nice room. I mean, the room is the same as it has been. We had equipment before, but the microphones have been upgraded. The mixer has been upgraded, and I'm liking uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing and hearing. Hopefully, you guys notice maybe a quality difference as well in the audio. The the, the content, the quality I'm of the sure. content is always going to be there, um, but the audio quality maybe a little bit enhanced. Um, Chip, I want to get two things from you today. It's a tall order. Um, I'm asking you to be the voice of positivity so to, to, to a certain degree. Um, we're going to talk Vikings and Timberwolves, two things that don't have a lot of positives, at least recently. I mean, the Vikings, I think, people were realistic about their postseason yeah. possibilities. I think the disappointment is that they lost to the Giants, right? Like you, yes. didn't, you didn't want the season to end at that point, but there was always probably going to be this moment where this season of you know charmed, well, whatever you want to call it, was just going to come to an end, and it was going to come to an end short of the Super Bowl because there was mm-hmm. a lot of other teams better than them. But from you, Chip, what I'd like to know, and we'll get to the Wolves in a little bit, which would be the harder ask for positivity. Uh, from, the, from the Vikings' standpoint, I've talked a lot of Vikings already this week. I want to hear from you. If you're thinking about the Vikings and their path forward, how do you— I think there's going to be a natural regression or a mm-hmm. tendency to think that there's going to be a regression because 13-4 and four with the way they played this year is not sustainable— what is the path in the short term for them to still be, you know, part of this competitive rebuild, still maybe be a playoff team next season, be competitive in the NFC North when, you know, you look around and you see Detroit getting better, Green Bay still a question mark, a lot of salary cap questions. What what are they what can they do? What's your to-do list? Well, I will say I, I'm 
more pessimistic, <laughs> but but since you put me on spot, yes. spot to say be you, optimistic, you, you can you can do whatever you want. Justin you can do Jefferson, want. there's yes. your there's your optimism. Yes. There's your starting when you when you're starting off with a superstar, um, the the NFL's best wide receiver. That's a pretty good starting point, right? I think their offense is going to be fine next year. I think it's still going to be highly productive. I think Cousins will be back. It'll be interesting to see how Quasi handles that uh, component, that part um, here in the next couple of years, but. Um, I don't think you have to start the uh, accession, accession plan after, you know this year. I think you have Cousins next year, and then you figure out, okay, who's your who's going to be your, your uh, quarterback or future. So you have the quarterback, you got a superstar wide receiver, you have a very productive tight end, possibly two. We'll see what Irv Smith, you know, if he fits in there. But um, you have a really good left tackle, you have a really good right tackle, assuming he comes back from – uh, O'Neal comes back from his injury, so you have you have the pieces there on offense to be productive. You have to make some tweaks. Obviously, what are you going to do with Adam Thielen? Interior line, center. Uh, I think the interior needs to be addressed, but um, that's pretty much where my optimism ends. <laughs> so, so I mean, that means there's a lot of to do list. What I mean, the defense we saw it struggle to a large degree in uh, obviously in that playoff game, but a lot of the games before that, and I think the. The conversation, it was there was like a tendency to be kind of like um, maybe a little bit polite because they kept winning, right? Well, that's it was it, like yeah. you don't want to rip a thirteen and fourteen, but you could see just how 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 much pro, how much difficulty they were going to have. And you even wrote it after I think the Sunday game where it was like, you know, we saw this kind of coming. We we knew they had deficiencies along the way. So is is this possible to make the defense at least middle of the pack in one year, or how would they even go about that based on? salary cap and what they have to work with at this point. Well, that's it's a complicated thing, and I don't think it's a quick fix. Um, the thing that jumps out to me, Mike, is how slow they are. Yes. The overall team speed on defense, they're old and slow. Yes. Very slow. I yes. mean, that has to be a focus for them. Is like they have to get more athletic. They have to be faster. And the problem is they have drafted so poorly on that side of the ball for the last five years. Who are the young guys you're optimistic about? Right, that's the problem. On defense. Like maybe Brian Asamoah if he develops. But if he develops, yeah, he's, I mean, he's fast because he's fast. We were talking about yeah. the other day. because he's like, fast. That's why he stands Duke out. Duke Shelley? Like I kind of like Duke Shelley, but like, again, that's not a draft pick. Like, no. You're right. They've, they've neglected the defensive line, and, and any it, draft pick they've spent on corner or safety have is either have been, has been hurt or we don't know. I haven't panned out. And – you know, they spent a first rounder on Lewis Seen. We don't know if he can play. No. One, we're going to see how he comes back from this injury, a very significant injury, but we don't, there were no signs that he was going to be a superstar. I mean, he wasn't even, he didn't win the starting job out of camp. And so that's not to say you totally write him off. He's not, but he's still an unknown. Um, you, you look at their corners, they were injured, but unknowns there, right? Booth, Evans. I mean, Evans showed some bright spots, but it's like, is he going to be? Right. Is he going to turn out to be a you know a lockdown? Nobody can say that. And so the problem is with these veterans and Quasey's going to have to look at the the core that everybody's talking about. I think Kendricks is probably gone. I think yeah. Alvin Cook is gone. But there's other ones. You know, Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen. I think they have a lot of dead money tied up in those contracts. And so it's not as it, I think some fans are like, well. This guy is old. He makes a lot of money. Cut him. It doesn't work that way. You have to figure out how much you're going to be responsible for on your cap if you do get rid of some of these guys. So, um, and here's the thing with Quasey. 
he is going to have to draft really good the next few years because you're going to have to pay Jefferson like a quarterback. Yes. $30 million. Your left tackle, if he keeps progressing the way he's uh, going, he's going to command a top five left tackle sure. salary. You already paid your right tackle. You already paid your right tackle. And if you have cousins on your roster, yeah. how's it going to work? I don't, I don't know that you can have – Jefferson making quarterback money and a Cousins type contract on your yeah, I, I don't think, think it has to can. be either or. No, I think because it's your left be, tackle yeah. is going to make a massive contract too. Yeah. So, so in saying that, you're you know the as Mike Zimmer said before he left, the roster's top heavy. I think it's going to continue to be top heavy, which means you can't swing and miss in the draft to to the degree that they have. You have to find guys that are not just special teams players, but starters and guys you're depending on that are on their rookie contracts or on their first contracts. Yeah, and to that end, like I've talked about on this show, I mean, they only have four picks yeah. in this year's draft. One, three, a one, a three, a four, and a five. You know, one of that, I think Hawkinson trade influenced that. You would do it again. I, yeah. I would do that again. Yeah. That, that seems like it was a good idea, and he's going to be here for a while, and that, that fits what they do. And so that was a good trade. That was probably one of Kwesi's best moves mm-hmm. so far, but um, his first draft wasn't great in terms of at least what we saw so far. And again, Booth and Scene were both hurt. That's a, that's a tough one, so you, you can't evaluate it fully. But Ed Ingram, even though he started, he it was, was not good. He had a, he had a, he had a rough year. Yeah. I mean, if a guy starts, it doesn't mean he's great. Like T.J. Clemmings got a bunch of starts in 2015. Didn't mean he was good. Just mean he was available. No, he was one of the lowest ranked guards. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and, and you know, Zedarius, I, I think you would say was a nice pickup for the first half. Second half with the, after the injury, do you bring him back at a big salary? I mean, this is a complicated. Uh, untangling of a web that Quasi has with some of these contracts, and also they have just missed so much in the last two drafts, particularly on players, that they don't have that that wave of young guys that you feel like okay, they're ready to step in and be starters now and be productive and and help. So I, I think it's I don't think it's going to be a quick fix, and I, I think this team's going to take a step back. Pretty sure that uh, Ed Donatel is not going to be the no. one to preside over it, right? No, he, I mean it hasn't come out yet, but I, I can't imagine that, no. that you know he's going to be the coordinator next year. And what I'm curious about, though, is O'Connell married to that scheme right. and just picked the wrong guy? Right. Or is he open to anything as long as he gets the right guy? Because this is not... Okay, Donatel, he's not going to be back, probably. Yeah. Or likely. Yeah. But it's, you can't just say it's all coordinated. No, it was it's personnel. Some of it was the players. It's, it's a big old, part of it. old and slow. Yeah. That Giants game, they were old and slow, and the whole year they were old and slow. Yeah, I mean, how many times do we see wide receivers just wide open and Vikings defenders chasing after him or take the wrong angle or not. It, it, Sunday was as chaotic as, as you're going to see a defense look and just out of uh, sorts and not knowing what the, where they're supposed to be, their assignments. Um, and so you need a lot of new starters on defense. Yes. Realistically. You really do. Yeah, and you, you can't do that in one offseason, especially with four picks and no. not much money to go out and get free agents. So it, it's, this is not a one-year thing. No. no, this is not a one-year fix, um, but there's going to be pressure to sustain some of what they did this year, at least externally. Like I, if, I think Quasey and Kevin O'Connell will have a certain view of it. I'm curious what kind of view ownership will have because they don't want to— be six and eleven next year, but they might be six and eleven. Well, and I would go to them and say, "You're eleven zero in one score games. That's a complete anomaly. That yes. does not happen." In no. there's a reason why that was a record in the NFL. You're not going to go that one sided no. in one score games. No, 
Conversely, you shouldn't be 0 and 11, but no. they tend to even out. But if you're 6 and 5 in one score games next year, you're going to go down five wins. You're going to go yeah, exactly. you're be 8 and 9. Yeah, I and, mean, that's, that's, and that's with the defense that they had. Yeah. That's probably legitimately what they should have been, but they, you know, they found ways to win games, got, you know, avoided starting quarterbacks in some cases, yes. facing backups, got some lucky bounces. So all those things contribute to it, and I don't want to minimize you know their role in, in winning close games because that was important. I mean, it showed that there was some resilience there, but they won 13 games with one of the worst defenses in the NFL. That yeah. doesn't happen. No. I mean, it's, a, it's an outlier. It's an anomaly. And so if yeah. you think that, ah, we'll just build on that, no, it doesn't work that way. Okay, so I think we clocked in at like two minutes of positivity and seven <laughs> minutes of uh, – of not Justin uh, of Jefferson, not, Justin, <laughs> Jefferson, <laughs> Jefferson <laughs> Justin Jefferson, and uh, now we're on to the Timberwolves. Um, Chip, uh, that that Utah game, you're not uh, getting two minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, that Utah game. I, I talked about this a lot at the start of the show already. So I don't know how I don't know how good they can feel about things right now. But it's kind of the same story as the Vikings, where if you're going to start with a reason for optimism right now, I think it is Anthony Edwards. Obviously, yeah. it's it, you still have him. He seems to be ascending to a certain level even more this year, and I think there's even more left mm-hmm. in him as he gets even better. Um, but I guess the bigger question is, do you see a path to where this Rudy Gobert trade isn't an, um, an unmitigated disaster, where they where it becomes something where you're like, ah, okay, it was rough at the start, but I, I, I get the vision. I see, I see where they were going with this thing. No, because uh, there's, no been, there's been no signs of it. That's 45 games in. That's so disappointing. Like... Well, and, and how many of those have Towns missed? I mean, they, Towns they missed 20? more than half of those. They, he's, they had about he's 20 missed 24. He missed, he's missed 24. Yeah, so they had 20 games together. But even when they were together, it you're like, how's this? it's not working. Does right. it? And, and you could say that's not enough sample size, sure. and, and they would have figured it out. Um, the thing that's been troubling to me is, and I agree, with the, okay, the positive Ant. Yeah. I mean, I think we can all see this is his team. Yes. Like, oh, he, yeah. He's the guy. Yeah. And I like the way he's responded to not having Towns out by and large. I mean, there's been some, right? Moments, but he he looks like he's elevating and taking that responsibility serious and and wants to be that guy. And he's still young. I mean, what is of course. he? 21, 21 right? 22, Yeah, he's um, young. But how many times have we heard after the games? Effort. Well, we don't, yeah. a couple of players. We, we got to up our care factor. Well, if you don't care, why? Should, yeah, yeah. It drives you crazy. It, it's. It's got to be driving Finch crazy. It looks well, like it. He looks, he's the coach. He should. I, I get. Yes, absolutely. And, and so that's what drives me crazy. Is like, since when do the Wolves have enough pedigree to say we right. we, we can not care enough, right. or we don't have to play hard enough? And it's, um, and I, you know, Gobert just has not made the impact that no. And maybe maybe it was overinflated the impact he was going to make. Sure. That you plug, you know, a guy who's, you know, all. The best defensive player and rim protector, and that's right. going to really uh, solidify his group. But look at what they took out yeah. to do that. Right. And not great players, but players that mattered yeah. and, and made that team last year tough yeah. and enjoyable to watch and energy and hustle. And and so I don't see the path for it. I, no. Honestly, and, and then you see what Kessler comes in here and does the other day, <laughs> oh. and it's just, it reminds you, it's like, just take a sledgehammer to your head because. Right. Um, now we'll see when Cat comes back, and, right. you know, and, and how that works out, and how he fits back in. And but along with, you know, when it happened, we're like, okay, this, you know, at least they're being bold. They're doing something right. here, right? But there's also like, 
well, this is not how the NBA is played anymore. Right. Yeah, this two, is, two bigs together? And everybody's one of them who can't shoot at all? Yeah, I mean, everybody's going one direction, and you're going to completely the other? How's that going to work? And every, you know, the promise is, ah, we're you know we're inventive, and Finch has this right. brilliant mind, and he was telling us he was up all night on the whiteboard, and right? About, and it sounded good at the time, but then when you put it in practice, it's like, yeah, this doesn't work. Doesn't work. Um, and but but more so than that, just really the lack of consistency and effort and hustle and playing defense that really just turns me off about this team. So if you if if Towns and Gobert, if if Towns comes back and we see a little bit more sample size that say this this really does not work, maybe they still make the play in this year. Maybe you know it, it doesn't feel like the, the year is a disappointment. I don't know what could elevate it beyond disappointment. Doesn't feel like it's going to be a disaster at this point, just because they're probably still going to win. You know, in the neighborhood of forty to forty-two games. You know, just going to be a little short of last year's win total. Could still be in the play-in round. The West is not great this year. But if you get to the end of this season, you say, "Yeah, that didn't work the way we thought it was going to work." Gobert's trade value is not great right now. Like, no. how, how could you how could you turn around and viably do that? Do you trust Tim Connolly to trade his way out of this mess and then <laughs> no. turn around and trade Carl Anthony Towns? No. And here's the thing: when they made that trade, it was not to tap dance into the, the play-in game. No, of course you not. make that no, trade thinking not. we're going to be a top four. Cat said championship or bust. Yeah, you're making yeah. you're making that trade. I mean. When you give away the assets that they give away, of course, this is not well. This might work. No, you're doing that, saying, "Hey, we're going for it. We we see this as a team that's going to contend for championships." So, if it doesn't work out, based on what Tim Conley does, no, I have no faith that no. they would be able to fix it. Because what what's your play? I mean, trade Gobert for trade Towns. I mean, Towns is the trade. Let's be honest. Like that's. That's the guy that's got any value. If you, if you decided that those guys don't work together, if you decided that Towns has had enough time here where you don't trust his leadership, you think he's still immature, even what if he's a great back, offensive though, player. What are you getting back? For Towns, he's still got value. I, mean, I know, but is it then you're completely rebuilding again? Are you? I mean, it uh, depends on the trade. If you if you get, I mean, look what look what they got for go look 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 what Utah well, got for Gobert. I mean, they got players, and, and they're picks. probably laughing right now. <laughs> but yes, they're definitely laughing right now. And I think. Um, Patrick Royce is taking the sledgehammer to them pretty good right now, so <laughs> watch out. They're they're an easy target right now. But um, yeah, again, it it feels to me, and this is this is kind of crazy, but like it feels like the only thing they have hope wise is Ant. you know Ant and Jaden McDaniels to a certain degree. I think yeah. he's he's done some things this year where you look at him and say, um, you know, offensively he's never going to be great, but he's developing into someone you can see in one or two years being on all defensive teams, and that's sure. that's really valuable. Gobert is still a good player. He's just maybe not having the same impact you'd hoped he would. Maybe some of it's him figuring this out. The one kind of get out of this box and get back on some kind of path is can you make a home run trade with Carl Anthony Towns, I think. And le- unless, we get, unless we see some evidence when Towns comes back that this works a lot better than we thought it did. Well, that's that's... That's it. You, we need to see more than twenty games. Yes, of and, course. And you don't want to render, you know, a verdict before you really know. But if you get to the end of this year, and it hasn't looked demonstrably better than what we saw the first twenty games, I just I don't I don't know that you can come back and say let's run it back next year and think no. it's going to be better, right? Because it's so outside the box the way the game's played right now. Yeah. And but if you're the bosses, don't you say, Tim, come here? <laughs> yeah. This has to work this time if you're going yes. to do it because yeah. there's not a third 
swipe at this. Well, you like know. I, you know, I've talked about this extensively at the start of the show, but I played the clip of Connolly at the introductory news conference where he's basically saying, I just, I'm here not to mess things up. Uh, and then he blew it up. And then like a month later, he blew it up. And, you know, again, if we're being generous, verdict is, verdict is still out. We don't know. But saying we don't know is a polite way of saying we don't like what we see so far. Well, that's it. Yeah. So it's, there was nothing that, sh- that told us beforehand that this was going to work. And you're like, oh, man, if Towns wouldn't got hurt, this thing was really going right. somewhere. It's like, exactly. no, it's like, no. What, is, what is this? What is, is this? Yeah. Well. Seems like is that pop- optimistic enough for you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's realistic. I mean, like, the, the optimism in this market right now, let's be honest, is predicated on the highest of high-end talent. Well, this, it's, yeah, it's Justin Jefferson, yeah. it's Anthony Edwards, it's Kirill Kaprizov, it's Byron Buxton, and it's Carlos Correa. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's it. That That's kind of the, 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 big, the big high-end hopes that people have right now. None of those teams are probably in a spot right now where they are among the five best in the league. I mean, the Wild has been... You know, they get better since that start. I think the Twins have maybe a little bit of potential if pitching comes around. The Vikings have had a 13-4 and four year, but no one thinks they're going to be, you know, a 13-4 and four win team next year. And the Timberwolves are floundering. Like, it's it's that top-end talent. If they're going to elevate, it's going to be around them. But that's a lot to carry on their shoulders. Well, it's, it's yeah, and, and the guys, they those players that you mentioned are superstars. And yes, they are very among good, the best yes. in the, you know, yes. uh, young stars. But it takes more than that. It does. It takes more it takes than team. that. It, it takes, takes team more than that, you know. And it takes teams being able to make savvy yes. decisions within the wild are facing salary crap issues. Yeah. The the uh, Vikings have, you know, some real salary crap right. uh issues. Um and so it it, it takes being savvy and making smart yeah. deals and do we know enough about these new executives to yeah. know that they're gonna be able to pull it off? No. Good point. Well, Chip, um, I, I came into Mr. this. Mr. Sunshine. <laughs> I came into this thinking we might get some some positive talk. We got probably like four minutes out of the twenty, so I'll take that. <laughs> um, but we got to be realistic. This is this is this is real. This is realism time. Um, there's there's an, it's an interesting time in Minnesota sports. There's a lot of you know a lot of different directions these teams can go right now, and that makes it interesting and fun to write about. So at least we'll have a and to talk about. So at least we'll have that going forward. Um, appreciate it as always, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, thanks, brother. Good stuff from Chip as always. I should never go into a segment thinking someone can provide a dose of optimism. You're going to feel how you want to feel. You're going to think how you want to think. You're going to have reasoned, reasonable takes. Chip Scoggins' takes were reasonable. Um, it's it's not a time where there's got to be a ton of optimism for either of those teams. Weird, like I said, at the jump, because the Vikings are coming off a 13-4 and four year. I think there's reasons to feel good about Kevin O'Connell. I think there's reasons to feel good about the offense. I think the defense can get better. So I think there's 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 definitely a path for improvement for the Vikings, even off of a 13-4 and four year. But uh, there's certainly things that you look at a team Coming off a 13-4 and four record, you f- you want to feel a lot better about certain things than you do right now. So they have a lot to do this offseason. The Wolves have a lot to do right now. I think Chip articulated that pretty well. We'll see where they wind up going going ahead and going forward. Let's finish with the cooler. You know, uh, University of St. Thomas got a $75 million gift for athletics. That is a lot of money. Lee and Penny Anderson going to build a bit, help them build a big athletic complex. Sounds like it's going to cost about $175 million on campus. Um, hope to raise about $131 million from donations. So they got already got more than half of that just in one donation from 
from this uh, this one uh, this one family, Lee and Penny Anderson. That is huge, largest in the school's history, one of the largest ever to a Minnesota university. So that will help St. Thomas with recruiting facilities, everything like that. Five years from now, I'm going to be very interested to see where the St. Thomas program is, especially in basketball and hockey. This is going to be a program that I feel can compete in those sports, especially basketball, men's and women's basketball with the University of Minnesota. How that plays out, how that recruiting battle plays out in the long run is going to be a fascinating chapter in local college sports, and I look forward to watching it and covering it. That will do it for today. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Lots of good stuff coming up again tomorrow. I'm Michael Rand. We'll see you then.